Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to the last Red Voices Manchester United podcast of this season. My name is Ewan Lennett, just a small matter of United hiring a new manager to discuss tonight, with Louis van Gaal heading to sunny climates on a private jet after last Saturday's Epic Cup final win, with Jose Mourinho finally installed on Friday afternoon after sorting out which watch he's allowed to wear next season. So, time for reflection, excitement, trepidation, all that good stuff. With me tonight is Mr Richard Can. How are you doing? I'm pretty chipper, how are you? Not too bad, thank you very much, buddy. I've, I've turned 29 since we last recorded. The big 2-9. You're getting old. Not as old as me, getting old. We also got invited to be on, on the World Service on the day that uh, Van Hal got sacked as well, which was quite a thrill. So I heard your, your dulcet tones wafting around the world. Yeah, yeah. I got asked to be on um, the World Service when Moyes got sacked, so clearly that's what the people want. They want a Welshman living in Derby to offer his opinion on United. <laughs> it makes complete sense. You are the go-to guy. Obviously, obviously. Right, so let's get going then, mate. Uh, the sacking okay. of uh, Monsieur Van Hal. So, Kevin, I spoke a little bit about it after the uh, FA Cup win against Palace. What did you make of the whole situation? You know, obviously, it, it's cl- clear at this stage that it was all orchestrated by Mendes for maximum destruction. Did you leave a bad taste in your mouth, or did you think it was justified? How did you read it? I think it was a bit Machiavellian by by Mendes to. Oh, you'd have to... loved it then, Machiavellian. That's your favourite word. Uh, it is my favourite word, but it, it was, wasn't it? It was clearly done with a view to getting Van Gaal out of the way very quickly so that Mourinho could start as soon as possible because he's he's obviously been kicking his heels for a while and as we've seen he's got to work straight away as opposed to Moyes who who poodled around at home and went on holiday before actually doing anything so it, it was pretty grim but I think by the end there was very little sympathy for Van Gaal anyway and you know since then he's he's griped about um about the way the club handled it, and I, you know, you know me, I'm, I'm one is always happy to have a pop at the club, but I don't really see that they did anything wrong in this in this situation. I mean, you know, Van Van Hal's a big boy. He's he's managed at, at Bayern, um, which is which can be an absolute nest of vipers with the all the former players and um, and and at Barca, where you know he, he says the press here are bad, but the Spanish papers have pages and pages and pages of news on on Barca or Rail to fill every day. Um and so I don't really um accept the, the the sort of poor little lamb martyr um approach that he's that he's taken since the sacking. In the end he's a football manager getting paid millions of pounds and he knows the score. He knows results weren't good enough. I don't know whether he was kidding himself into thinking that he might get away with it if he won the FA Cup or not, but I suspect he knew that he was on, on a sticky wicket. Yeah, well, the, the actual quote from the statement says, I'm very disappointed to be unable to complete our intended three-year plan. So, you know, despite the fact that he was very clear to mention, well, the club only wanted me for, you know, he wanted the three years, I only wanted two years, but they demanded on three. Yeah, very clearly sort of throwing that up to be the ridiculousness that it was by saying that he's disappointed that they can't complete their three-year plan. It's it's a slight sort of rewrite of history, isn't it? There's a, there's a, there's a video of him on uh, YouTube in a uh, press conference he did after he was sacked at Barcelona. And he looks absolutely devastated. And um, if you listen to the audio um, subtitled, he, he he basically looks like he can't believe that it's happened. And yet he was... This is this is after his second period at Barcelona. And yet he left the team in something like 14th place in, in La Liga. He must have known. <laughs> it was not good. That, uh, but but there's, it's quite interesting. There was a... Um, Jonathan Northcroft, I think, in the Sunday Times wrote something about an interview that he did with Van Gaal in 99 when he was at Barcelona. 
and he said that Van Hal's attitude was very much my system and my approach to management and my tactical framework is is perfect and if it's not working it's the fault of the players not of my system which is very Van Hal you know he, oh gosh it's the I most Van Hal thing I've ever really isn't it it is isn't it and it's the same again he's trying to obscure the fact that he failed miserably by sort of that false belief that he couldn't have possibly done anything wrong, so it's everybody else who's out to get him, and the players have let him down, the media's undermined him, um, he's been screwed over by United, who have done what any other club does, which is, you know, if they're not sure about the how, whether the manager's going to be there for the long term, they sound out other other managers. And I think it would be very naive to imagine that United weren't at least talking to Mourinho about the possibility of taking up the position. Well, come on, you say naive. We didn't have a clue what was happening, did we? Let's be quite frank. And it's not exactly uh, out of touch with our sort of idealised view of the club, or perhaps non-idealised view of the club as being the sort of bumbling entity that doesn't know his arse from his elbow. I just, I think, for, I think for once, this was handled right in that nobody knew for sure. I mean, there were stories that said that, that we had an, an agreement in principle with Mourinho, but nobody really knew if anything was going to come to fruition. But if you, if you or I or anybody else put ourselves in the position that United were in December when we on an absolutely appalling run of form, um, we slipped from the top of the table down to fifth or sixth and it was starting to look like we really weren't capable of getting top four, then Jose Mourinho gets sacked and he's out of work. He's you know probably the best manager of his generation. It would be negligent not to approach him with a view to at least talking about whether he'd be interested in taking the job at the end of the season if if things didn't work out. Um, I, I, it's just silly because Van Hal knows football. He's been in, he's been in football for a very long time. He's worked at two of the most, two of the most difficult clubs in the world politically and in terms of media pressure and former player pressure in Bayern and Barca. And I'm not, I'm not having that he's come to United and it's this terrible experience as far worse than he's had before. I think he's had more patience at United than he would have done at any other elite level club. I think he kept his job far longer than he would have done at any other elite level club. And, I think he. I think in the end he should be grateful he got as far as he did. The fact that he was kept past December, he can he got to the point where he could win the FA Cup and leave on a high, keeping up his record of having in inverted commas won a title at every every club he's been at. So you know it was unfortunate the way it came out straight after the final, but I, I really can't see that United did anything wrong. No, I don't think they did. I think that was. I think there's definitely some reason to be annoyed at the way that uh, George Mendes and. Uh... And I like still dealt with it. I don't think it's particularly edifying, as we said last week on the pod, to to have that information come out immediately after we've lifted the trophy, purely because this is the first time in three years that we've really had something to shout about. I think that the club should have taken centre stage on the, the day of the FA Cup final, not the news about Van Hal getting sacked, even though that's something that we all obviously wanted. A little bit of, uh, I do feel a little bit sorry for him, but at the same time, you also think about the way that he's. Uh, had <laughs> issues galore with uh, Mendes's clients in the shape of you know De Gea and Falcao and Di Maria, and it's perhaps not that much of a shock. You know, I think Mendes just essentially getting his own back, whilst also making it clear where the power actually is now pretty much lying when it comes to United. In some ways, I think he's he's got a very 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 strong hand at the moment. And I think I think Van Hal lost any sympathy he had towards the end with his remarks about uh, the fans having unrealistic expectations because. That really took the fans for fools. There may be a lot of fools in our fan base, but there are a lot of people who aren't as well. And, and it was clear to anybody. Well, a lot of us that... can read and listen to what he says. 
Well, exactly, yeah. It, it's clear to anybody that he's seriously underperforming, and for the amount of money he'd spent, he can't, he couldn't complain, and he, you know, even his last fallback was, I just don't have the quick creative players that I need, and yet, you know, he has had quick creative players, and he's failed to get the best out of them. I think he just ran out of excuses, and he just started taking the fans for idiots, which certainly rubbed me up the wrong way. So, by the, by the time the axe fell, I didn't really have a great deal of sympathy for him. Um, he, no, are you gonna, are you gonna miss him in any way, Rich? Not in the slightest. Um, <laughs> not, not even some of the idiosyncratic wonders, you know, the falling over against Arsenal, the, the drunken player of the year uh, speech last year. I like I liked the drunken player of the year speech just because I think we'd been so damaged by Moyes and his complete lack of charisma and, and humour and anything, anything remoting, you know, remotely uh, related to having any sort of personality whatsoever, that, that when, when we had a manager who, who spoke like that, it just felt... It felt good at the time, even though if you listen to the sort some of the things he said in that speech, particularly with regards to how he thought we were quite close to winning the title, then you would have maybe questioned what you know questioned the whole thing. But we just it was just the reaction I think to to Moyes and just needing someone with charisma and and self confidence. I think I think everything really sort of went downhill from there. Yeah, I mean it, it's very difficult to to look at the situation and say it didn't warrant a sacking. Um, and again, it, it did take uh, quite a few days in typical United fashion to uh, to get everything sorted out with uh, our current manager, one uh, Jose Mourinho. How chuffed are you that after these uh, last two or three seasons out in the Premier League wilderness that we've actually got a manager who is expected to do wonderful things at the club, Rich? Yeah, I, I wrote something this morning um, for for the faithful about how I, I was a, my former TV years supporting United were mid to late eighties. At the time, we we weren't in Europe because of the Heisel ban, and we were also pretty shit for a lot of that period. I, I used to have a I used to have this computer game called Emily Hughes International Soccer, and you had you could put eight teams in. I used to like put the top eight in the top eight teams in the country and play like little leagues and stuff. Except United weren't in the top eight, so I had to leave us. I had to leave them in for somebody else. And so we were like this this fort this fort this huge this big but formerly great club, but it was all very. It was a club that was very much based in, in England rather than this amorphous European giant. And so, you know, we didn't sign the best players in the world. And even after Fergie came, for a long time, the way structure meant that we couldn't sign great players. And then we signed Juan Sebastian Veron. And I remember thinking at the time, looking at him and thinking, wow, you know, th- this is my, not little club, but this is my club. And suddenly we've signed one of the best players in the world. And it, that felt really, really special. And then I had the same with, with Van Persie and then with Di Maria. Mourinho, really seeing Mourinho standing there as United manager is almost the same as that, really. it's Yeah, I'm not quite sure I really believe it just yet. I mean, even having watched uh, the marvellous video on MUTV that came out today, which we'll come back to later, um, and even seeing the statement, even seeing the interview, which I was desperate to see just to try and make it feel a little bit more real, it still doesn't quite feel like it's 100% reality just yet. I mean, I guess it won't until you know he takes his old trap of bow and plays that first game in charge of us. I'd be interested to see if uh, you know, him in the club suits, you know, uh, making comments on you know potential signings and transfers that will undoubtedly happen in the next couple of weeks slash months. I think then it'll start to settle in. At the minute, it just feels like a little bit sort of a, a prick me moment, you know. We've we've really heard him speak very little, haven't we? I mean, even the even the MUTV interview was really brief, far briefer than, than we expected. That's fine though. I mean, I'm I'm kind of happy for him to sort of to not pontificate too much and just you know allow the business to sort of take take the full 
focus at the moment. I, I think that's absolutely fine. You know, we've had a lot of time of listening to Van Hal talk and a lot of uh, negative action to follow it. So I'm kind of happy for Mourinho just to simply get on with it. You know, his press conference isn't scheduled to be for another month, and the players don't return from their uh, from their summer holidays until uh, I think it's June. Sorry, July 4th. So. You know, there's there's plenty of time for chatting and interviewing. I, I think Mourinho at the moment struck me as a guy from watching him at the club so far who simply just wants to get down to work and figure out who's staying, who's coming in, and who's going. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that that, that the shortness of the interview and very little we've seen really just contributes to the fact that it doesn't seem entirely entirely real at the moment. I think you know, we need him to sit down for like a pre-match press conference or see him do something a, a lot more in depth to actually experience Mourinho. The manager of Manchester United, rather than just this this guy who's been airlifted in, and you know, you mentioned the video today, and it's just this very very awkward four minute video of him going around and shaking people's hand, and Edward Ward making <laughs> making terrible small talk with him, and uh, Bob, Bobby. Chong. Let's, let's bring up the video now. My <clears throat> favourite bit of that entire video is right at the end of it, where um, they're standing just in front of this uh, glass sort of pane in front of them, and Woodward's pointing out. And then you see the photographer sort of saying, okay, just point behind my shoulder. Camera pans out, and they're looking at a car park. Not looking at pictures or anything, at everything of interest. I mean, what, what is Ed saying there? Right, that car over there, that's uh, that's uh, Sir Bobby's, uh, that's yours. Uh, which one? Oh, that's mine, that's my car over there. See that one? Yeah. That, that sounds about right. I mean, you, you see him, they, they walk up the stairs in the uh, at Carrington, and he's, oh, it's just a painful, yeah, how was your journey? I bet it was a long journey. And it, 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 you can just see him, like, just the cringe, and Mourinho just doesn't answer. And there's the you know there's the conversation with Bobby Charlton, which is just painful because I defend Bobby Charlton's right to have an opinion on whatever he wants to, but we know he doesn't like Mourinho, um, and there yeah, he is well, we saying, saying he I'm so happy there, to see we? you. No, and you know he, his first words are I'm so happy to see you here. It's it's just such a painful video, and just just and the, the accompanying the accompanying music which comes comes straight off one of those 1980s goal compilation videos that we used to buy football league goal compilation videos. It's just, it's really, I don't know who does the media at United, but it's always really weird. Um, it's amusing. It's got a weird, weird sort of 90s quality to it. I think it has. It's, it's quite a nice throwback, but in the worst possible way. But you, you could see that it, it was probably quite a cringy day from Reno. And, you know, it was just a case of going around, just listening to Ed Waffle on and then shaking a lot of hands and making small talk with, with various people he didn't recognise and probably will never speak to again. Um, but, you know, from our perspective, it's nice to see him actually, um, not on the job, but it's nice to see him in the building. Um, and I think the more we see of that, the more we'll, we'll adjust to the fact that we've, you know, that he's our manager. You, you know, it is the first time, I think, with, with Fergie, because he came from relatively humble beginnings. He only came from, uh, only came from Aberdeen, but he came from the Scottish League and, and that's quite, feels quite domestic to us anyway. And it took time for him to build up and he really made his career at United rather than being a stellar world-renowned manager before he came to us. And then obviously Moyes, <laughs> who's just Moyes. And then even even Van Gaal, it felt, you know, Van Gaal felt like a big name, but it didn't feel absolutely stellar as, say, Guardiola would have done or Mourinho would have done at the time. And, you know, we are taking on, we are taking on a manager now who has literally done it all in four different countries. And I think, I think what's, what we like so much is that he clearly is like a, like a giddy schoolboy. When players sign for United, they often say, Oh, I'm so pleased to be here. This is the biggest club in the world. This is the greatest pinnacle of my career. And also, you know, it's clearly 
scripted, utterly insincere. You know, you had uh, um, Di Maria saying that he joined the biggest club in the world when he'd just come from Real Madrid and he knew bloody well that he had the Real Madrid. Yeah, he's he he just wanted to be in France bit. as well. Now, that, that Mourinho interview is actually quite a good point. You know, he was saying, I prefer to get the last three years, you know, done, fine, <laughs> I'd be happy to forget it. I mean, there's, there's been some good moments, and again, I don't want to sound like, you know, we're, we're spoiled little brats, but yeah, that, that, that's kind of what you want to hear. You want to hear someone actually recognise that this period at the club has not been good enough, that we have fallen short of expectations, especially this season, because I think we all sort of agreed that when Van Gaal came in, that a Premier League title charge was probably asking a little bit too much. With Mourinho, there's this sense already that he is fully aware that United have underachieved since Salas Ferguson retired, and that he is capable, he's got enough confidence in his ability in himself in order to change that around, which is great to see. But let's move on a little bit in terms of the actual appointment itself. There's, there's definitely some excitement, and there's no use tempering that. But just as a reaction, Rich, what sort of worries have you got about Jose taking over at United? My enthusiasm is tempered just slightly by the fact that we've been burned twice already in the last three years. And so certainly expectations were very high after Van Gaal came in. And we perhaps all learned a bit of a lesson there that um, not potent- not really a good idea to get too giddy about anybody who comes in because I think A, it is a, it is a tough job. And, and B, there are no absolute, absolute guarantees. But we do, I think, have the manager who offers the best potential for us to, to win the title again. Now, the, the two, the two biggest question marks against him have been obviously his, um, willingness or otherwise to promote young players and, and also just this idea that he blows up. And I'm not going to ignore last season at Chelsea because that was, an aberration and it mainly was Mourinho's fault in that from afar it appeared like he didn't get the players he wanted in the summer he he had a, a strop on about it which passed itself to the team and then I think was the, the root cause of the of the Carnero incident on the first day of the season which people have talked about how Mourinho has in the past crossed the line in terms of behaviour that was, well, that was dancing on the line, wasn't it? I was going all over it. Well, that was that was the one incident where he really has crossed the line, and I think the tribunal that's coming up in the next few weeks could be quite embarrassing because you know I I can't imagine a more clear cut case of constructive dismissal, and he clearly, rather than apologise for having made a mistake, which he did in the incident itself, and apologise for the way he spoke to her, which I think if he'd done that, then it would have gone away relatively quickly. Instead, he dug his heels in, refused to do it, and essentially forced her out rather than have to have to apologise for what he'd done, which is pretty grim. And I think ultimately that, und- I think because she was a well-liked figure amongst the players, I think they lost trust in him and it broke that that bond that he needs to to win, to galvanise the squad. And I think that was the beginning of the end. And the, o- the only question is, can he control himself enough to build and maintain that bond with a new, with a completely new set of players. Yeah, it still feels like there's a bit of a question mark over his ability to make United his club. You know, in terms of is this finally giving the job where you sort of see him set down roots and you know, perhaps stay for longer than the two or three years, or or so that he's frequently done so in his career so far. You know, there's no point getting away from his success, and we'll come on to that in a minute, but. In terms of long-term prospects for Mourinho, that's still a huge question mark. 
And I think there's a couple of ways of looking at it. You look at the modern game today, and you know, two, three years or so is normally the sort of standard, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But but I think the great appeal of United to him, and the reason why he's been hankering after us for so long, is that he hasn't managed at the club where there's there's not not interference from above, and where he will be given time, even if things aren't going right initially, to to build something. Whereas everywhere he's been before, it's been required that he performed very quickly. And he had, you know, Real Madrid's the most political club in the world. He didn't have full control over transfers there. He didn't have full control over transfers in his two stints at, at Chelsea. And, and, and at Inter, he had a degree of control. And I think that's probably where he worked best. But he's coming to a club where, for better or for worse, there's no footballing oversight above him. So transfers will essentially be his domain. He will choose the players and then just tell Ed to go and get them. Now, whether Ed can get them or not, that's another question altogether. But, you know, he has he has that level of control where he can really build something himself without the likes of Abramovich signing Shevchenko for him <laughs> or, you know, or appointing Aaron Grant over his head or, you know, uh, poo-pooing the signings he wanted last summer and going and getting some randoms instead. And I, I genuinely think he looks at United and thinks, I could manage here for 10 years. And that's why he's been so attracted to us and why he's been shamelessly flirting with us for, for years. The, the, you know, the, the one big question about that is when he faces ad- adversity, can he hold himself together? And can he temper his behaviour in the way that he hasn't necessarily always been able to in the past? And hold a squad together for longer than the three years that he's been his general cycles. Yeah, I mean, there's still a great big question mark over just the sort of long term. But I think you could say that about pretty much every manager, depending on how successful they are at any club. You know, if, if Mourinho wins a trophy a year for the next sort of five to six years, he's not going to get sacked. If he doesn't, he might well do. So, you know, that, that's, there's, that's still that really big question mark about the long term. The short term, you know, to, to sort of change gears a little bit does look quite exciting. Now, in terms of what Mourinho can bring, you know, we, we know he's got a great record of trophies. But one thing I've been thinking about in terms of expectations for this next season, Rich, I mean, I thought perhaps we were going to be thinking about another you know, a Van Gaal first season, essentially, where we're trying just to get back in the top four, progress in cut competitions, just a basic improvement, a couple of places higher than we already are. I think the fact, thinking back, you know, that you've got Pep Guardiola, moving in over at City changes that significantly. Do you feel like, given that, you know, there's been a lot of big managerial appointments in the Premier League over the last year or so, you know, Klopp at Liverpool, Conte at Chelsea, Guardiola at City, do you feel like now the onus is essentially on United and Mourinho to mount a title charge next season? I think he, in his own mind, will have his aim to be to be in the title challenge because, and I think one of the great things about him and, and you saw from his his brief interview as well, that he's very much in the in the Fergie school of management where second is first loser. And so, you know, the, the aim is to win, whereas... Not if you're Arsenal, of course. <clears throat> well, yeah, exactly. But the, the aim, the aim for, the, for them is to win, second is bollocks. He will want to to challenge in his first season. I mean, he'll be realistic about it, I'm sure, but but that will be his aim. And I think so much will depend on the, the players we get in or we don't, because we know the squad isn't anything special. It's got very big holes in it. In, in certain positions, but I think if with three or four really good signings, I don't see any reason why we shouldn't be able to at least be knocking around 
somewhere close to the top, or at least having a go with it, go at it. Even his first season at first season back at Chelsea, they'd been in a bit of a mess, and you know it wasn't it wasn't the greatest squad they've ever had, and he still managed to get them in a title race of sorts until they just fell short at the end in the last two or three games. I think I think there's potential there for, for us to challenge for the title if he gets those three or four players. Now that is that is the big question, isn't it? Because I don't have enormous trust in in the club to act swiftly and decisively to get these players in. But on the other hand, we do. Yeah, I think Mourinho is about to get a big old lesson in what uh, Ed Woodward is like in terms of facilitating transfers, isn't he? You know, I think we're going to see just how quickly uh, deals can get done. And I. I yeah, it's clear for all intents and purposes that Mourinho has certainly been working hard since he's taken over, and even before then, to figure out who he wants. Yeah, there's this talk of, uh, of Zlatan, there's talk of William over at Chelsea, which seems a bit of a long shot, considering that I'm pretty sure Abramovich uh, would rather, well, insert disgusting you know, metaphor here, uh, or description here, as opposed to selling a United, a Chelsea player at this stage, considering he's in charge now. Yeah, I mean, the, the transfer thing, I mean, we all, uh, in terms of specific names, you know, you'd say, what, we need a centre-back, we need, what, a, a decent holding midfielder to go alongside Carrick, if the rumours are true, he's been given another deal, and a central striker? Yeah, I think I think we need a, an energetic box-to-box midfielder. Because we're not sta- Fellaini, then? <clears throat> no, not Fellaini. Because we're so, we're, so, we're so static at the moment, aren't we? You know, everyone's, everyone in, in the midfield three is standing still and... You know, Rooney's probably been the most positive player from that position since he's since he's moved back there. But we need we need more of that. We need better quality of that. And you're right. We need a striker, and I think we probably need a, a right winger as well. I suppose the plus side of Mourinho is that you potentially have potentially have Mendes to help you get deals done. But by the same token, Mendes is very good at compartmentalising what he's doing. So as much as as United and Mourinho wanted Renato Sanchez. We tittered about for so long, and Bayern came along and stumped up the money, and the player wanted to go there, and he did the deal. So if United act promptly and decisively in these transfers, I'm sure he'd love to get some players to United, some good players to United. But that's that relies on us doing that. So we're about to find out whether we've learnt anything in the market at all, and I suspect that the Sanchez fiasco suggests we haven't. But let's let's hope I'm wrong. That that that's. The other big variable, really, isn't it, in, in the immediate short term, is just who we're going to bring in and how many players we're going to be able to bring in and what sort of quality we're looking at. We're we looking at first choices. Yeah, a lot of players banded about so far. You know, specific ones that I would like in particular. You know, I think Zlatan would be very, very good entertainment for a year. I think that's kind of a, the lowest risk striker signing you could make out of the ones that have been banded about. Uh, partially because. He'll be uh, 35, I think, by the time the next season kicks off. So potentially, you're not looking at someone who's going to play sort of what, 30, 40, 50 games a season. So immediately you're thinking Rashford's going to get you know a crack of the whip for sure. He's going to play plenty of games up front, or at least in and around that area. So that and will get you goals. There's no guarantee to saying that he can, he's going to bash in as many as Liga One because Liga One's terrible, and the Premier League is actually pretty decent. So there's that to consider in terms of. Central defenders, I'm all at sea. I haven't got a clue we could bring in at this stage. You know, there's, there's the Porte over at Bilbao, who would be a great option, but my money's on him going to City, to be honest. Beyond that, I haven't really got many uh, ideas who we could go there. Let's talk of Andrew Gomez from Valencia. Again, I haven't watched him enough to be able to give you a proper indication, but 
40 million euros wouldn't be a, a terrible price for someone who could do a great job for us. So I'm, <laughs> I'm more than happy if that happens. But yeah, I think the the great thing about it is that I feel like we have stepped up a couple of marks in terms of the players that we can hope to bring into United now, purely because we've got Mourinho in charge. You know, it, it had Van Gaal <laughs> been given the unthinkable task of leading United into to his third and final season of that uh, much vaulted contract. I was really, really worried about who we were going to be able to bring in in order to improve the team because the aura of negativity around United from the inside and the out would have been so off-putting. If you think, if you were a an up-and-coming, perhaps sort of 19 to 24-year-old attacking player, European player, and you were make, you were looking to make the next step to to one of the big clubs, you've got plenty of interest from, from those clubs, and United are interested in you, you I think you take one look at the football United have been playing this last season and the failure of Van Gaal to get anything out of Di Maria and Depay and I think you wouldn't even think twice about it. If you, you know you had an option, you go somewhere else. And I think to a degree that's what happened with, with Sanchez. I think United could have done the deal much earlier but dallied around and then Bayern came in and it's not it's not a difficult choice, is it? You choose you choose Bayern in every time this at the moment. So from that perspective, I, I really think we would have struggled to sign anything approaching top level players. And also we'd have we had the, the flip side as well of the fact that I suspect there were a few players at the club who would have liked to have left, not least David De Gea, which would still be an absolute disaster if it happened this summer because God knows where we'd have been the last three years without him. So if there's any question in, in, in the club's mind as to whether they had to sack Van Gaal, they must have got the feedback from potential targets and it can't have been good from that perspective. And then we, by being, bringing in the most or the, or the, the most successful manager of, of his generation, people might argue Guardiola, but one or the other, and um, somebody who does everywhere he goes win titles, then it it completely changes the ball game. If I was a if I was a young up and coming player and I had I had some options and United were all things being even even equal and United were uh, really wanted me, then I would give it serious consideration because players want to work for those elite managers. Just as Van Persie wanted the chance to work with with Ferguson, there will be plenty of players who would love to work with Mourinho. And so sure, I mean the thing with Mourinho in particular, even though that last season at Chelsea went so badly. You know he can do a job. You know he can still win. He can still be successful. You just spent six months watching Van Gaal make excuses for situations that he had a huge hand in creating. So playing for Mourinho, it's infinitely a more appropriate and a more attractive option to young players, which is great. I mean, that that's exciting. I think it's going to be really interesting to see who we can bring in. I'm not necessarily sure we're going to be able to stand at the top, top table. So, you know, you're talking, you know. Your Pogba's, your Griezmann's. I mean, I still think that both of those players have got a very good chance of staying exactly where they are this summer. So I think we're a couple of levels away from being able to reach that sort of calibre just yet. But no, it's definitely, definitely encouraging. But speaking of something you brought up earlier on as well, Rich, young players. Now, just today we have seen, uh, which is a, a Monday, this lovely bank holiday Monday, uh, new contracts for both uh, Marcus Rashford, who seems to score in every single first game that he plays. So that's first goal in a European game, Premier League, FA Cup, and now that uh, pretty decent goal against Australia for England. And uh, Cameron Borthwick-Jackson both getting new contracts. Now, that's not necessarily definitive proof that young players are going to get a good go at United under Mourinho. But it's definitely good to see that the decisions have already been made early, considering how good those two were this season. Yeah, 
uh, it's interesting. He's he's been quoted in the past as saying that if a young player is good enough, if they're ready, that that's the the key the key word I think. If they're ready, then he's happy to play them. The, the question comes if um, they're quite a raw talent. Has he got the patience to um, to sort of bring them in and and develop them? Um, he said. He's when he's talking about Ruben Loftus Cheek that um, you can tell in about ten minutes if a player is good enough for you or not, which is a you know slightly worrying phrase because because young players don't always perform you know they're they're inconsistent they make mistakes um, it's very difficult to to judge them at that age but on the flip side somebody I think it might have been Gabriel Marcotti wrote something on ESPN a couple of days ago where he said he he asked the question how many of the the young players which Mourinho hasn't played or hasn't persisted with all of his clubs, with the exception of Kevin De Bruyne, how many of them have actually gone on to become top-class players? The answer is none of them. Now, some some might argue that the fact that Mourinho didn't play them stunted their development, but even so, you'd have expected them to go somewhere else or play under a different manager and at least show what they can do. But if you look at all the young players that that were at Chelsea in his first stint in the in the academy. Um, I think I think it says somewhere that they he's given forty four academy graduates the debuts at all of all of his clubs. There isn't another one who's gone on to have a particularly stellar career. I mean, you think you could argue that that getting rid of Lukaku was probably the wrong thing to do at the time, um, and it would be it would be fairly amusing if Chelsea had sort of paid sixty five million pounds to get him back this summer. <laughs> um, Just a bit, but but then. You know, Fergie, Fergie let Gerald Piquet go to Barcelona for eight million quid and sold, sold Diego Forlan to Villarreal for about the same amount. Um, you know, Forlan went on and scored 30 goals that season in the, in, uh, La Liga. Um, you know, so, so no. I think ma- every manager's got blotches on their record though, haven't they, in terms of players that they couldn't get a tune out of or perhaps get them to perform in quite the manner they would have wanted. I don't think Mourinho's a, any sort of, He's no absolute godlike genius in that sort of respect. Yes, selling De Bruyne was correct. Sorry, an incorrect decision in retrospect, but at the same time, he didn't feel like he was getting enough out of him or there was disagreement. And those sort of situations, you don't hang on in just in case that player could be a wonderful player and could be you know, this absolute firebrand football player that we've seen at City in the last season. So, yeah, I think it's... Uh, with these players in particular, I am less and less worried, especially looking at Rashford and how well he did against Australia during the week and how well he's done since he came on You know, in that game against Michelin. I'm less and less worried that there is no place for him at United under Mourinho purely because he just feels good enough. You know, He, he feels like he's already... He, he gets what playing at this level seems to entail. Obviously, now we've got to see how he can cope with it over a season. And I think... It is interesting to note in uh, Woodward's statement on this matter, his quotes were sort of saying, you know, obviously we've got to give him time and he's got a very bright future ahead of him. Sort of the standard language that you use when you're trying to temper expectations for a young player, which is fine. I understand that completely, but he's got all of the raw capabilities and the talent in order to really make a mark on the game. And I'm really pleased that he's doing that at United. And I think in the Mourinho, given the obvious talent that is on show, I think Mourinho is going to struggle to keep him out of the side. I think as well that you saw from the the level that to which uh, Mourinho has tried to ingratiate himself to the club over the last few years. He he clearly is desperate to um, to try and 
fit in with some of the ideals that the club have. And I think he knows... Yeah, he's, really, he's starting to say the right things and do the right things, isn't he? This is a very clear sort of effort. And I think, I think if he, you know, if he came in and suddenly sidelined Rashford, he knows that, that that would go down like a, like a sack of brown stuff. The same with Borthwick Jackson. And he clearly sees something in both, in both players. Although in the case of Borthwick Jackson, I, I, I really like him as a player, but it made sense from the club's perspective to get him under contract anyway, even if they thought that he might not make it because they'll obviously want to take a fee for him if they sold him down the line. His contract did expire this summer. You know, it would be an absolute disaster to lose him for nothing after after the season he's had. I think I saw Miguel, Miguel Delaney wrote something yesterday about how how Mario, Mourinho has talked enthusiastically about Rashford. And I think it would be difficult to to ignore his his talents and his ability at the moment. You know, it would be it would be foolish not to to really try and embrace his breakthrough and his talent and try and use him as part of. But particularly given that we we don't have an embarrassment of riches in an attacking sense, even if we signed a top level striker this summer, would that be Ibrahimovic or whoever else? Yeah, I mean that, that that's kind of why the signing of him Ibrahimovic sort of makes more sense than others to a certain extent because you know he's not going to play every game. Someone like Aubameyang, you can imagine that he would play most of, if not all of our games, if fit. That's why signing, signing a, an aged striker makes a bit more sense for Ashford, because it allows him the chance to learn from someone who's been there, done that, and can impart a lot of knowledge from that. Looking at who potentially we could sign up front, that decision almost makes more sense to me with Rashford in mind, and I think that it'll be interesting to see how Mourinho handles that. You know, Does he go for someone like Mbamiang, who's got a great record of scoring goals in the Bundesliga, yeah. bring in a player that you know can do a job, or bring in an aged player that you know can also do a job, but give Rashford a bit more, you know, a bit bit more flexibility and a bit more space in order to learn his craft. But I think the great thing about Rashford, Rashford as well, is that he's versatile. Um, he's played, he's played as a striker in the junior teams, and he's also played as a wide forward. In theory, you could bring in Aubameyang, and again, Aubameyang is another another player who can play in wide areas as well. And you could almost, in, in an ideal world, see the sort of um, the the position swapping that we used to have with with Rooney, Tevez, and Ronaldo. You know, they all Rooney quite often in the, in the European Cup winning season started from, and, and Ronaldo would would either be up front or be on the right, and Tevez would be on up front or or on the right, and they they change positions during the match. And I think it's that sort of versatility and that level of movement that that really makes teams very difficult to to stop when those players have got quality. And you know, Rashford can play as a wide forward and so there's no there's no, nothing to say that, that, that signing say Aubameyang or, or another top striker would immediately mean that Rashford wouldn't play and also because we've got the Europa League we've got a very long season next season if we progress in that tournament so there are going to be a lot of games now that Thursday Sunday schedule is going to be an absolute pain I mean Paul Narankar said it and he's absolutely true it's an absolute nightmare to try and organise a podcast recording in between Sunday and Thursday think about ourselves haven't we obviously yes well we do yeah let's absolutely think about that but I, I'm just looking forward to there being a lot of games and I think that the thing that I hated most about Van Gaal towards the end is that I wasn't looking forward to United playing anymore and I was actually dreading it I was thinking this is a chore this is something I don't want to do it's going to yeah. make me unhappy and angry and yeah, it's, I kind of just not... try to disassociate my feelings for him with United to certain extent. Well, it wasn't that. It was I'm just... looking forward to watching United. I'm not looking forward to hearing Van Gaal talk about this, whatever happens. No, but it was it was just that we were so grim to watch at times as well, wasn't it? You know, we weren't playing the sort of football that had you off your seat or that really got your heart racing. And, and I think all of those things combined to make it an, 
quite a negative experience a lot of the time. You know, there were bright moments like the, the semi-final, obviously the cup final, but there was so much drudgery in the middle. And I think one of the great things about getting a new manager and also and getting Mourinho as well is that we we can get back to looking forward to watching United play with a clean slate. We we don't have expectations. We don't know what it's going to be like, and it's going to be a new journey for us. And we've got so many games that there's going to have to be an element, quite a strong element of squad rotation. So I wouldn't be absolutely shocked to see um, Janazai or, or Pereira sub, you know, coming to the, really making, giving them the chance to make their mark in the, in the first team squad. I mean, I know it's, it seems like a lifetime ago, but two and two and a half years ago, um, Mourinho was gushing about, about, about Janazai and his talent. It's you know it's a real shame from where he from where he was to where he is now that how you know how it's really deteriorated. But I don't think I I think that, that a lot of the young talented players around the periphery of the squad might be given a, a chance to to really show what they can do. Um, so and one of the interesting things as well that Mourinho doesn't often sign a lot of players in his first summer. So you know I'd be very surprised if we signed more than four players which means that because we had quite a small squad this 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 season anyway that means that there were there are going to be more opportunities for for the kind of peripheral flat players um and i think he'll because of the internationals in the summer he's going to be taking quite a young squad on tour as well so that will be quite interesting to watch to see who he plays and how they get on and you know that the, the tour will be an interesting watch for once I just think it's going to be a really, really intriguing season this season. We're starting from scratch, and I think we might see some different players being given opportunities, whereas Van Gaal had clearly made, decided about a lot of players, whether deserving or not, and, and that was it. They were just cut out. So, and, you know, he had his favourites, and he just played them. If, if fit, he played them every game. Um, and we're, I think I'm also looking, we're also looking forward to a few of the players in the squad who we think their time's up being moved on. Um, I mean, I saw just before we started recording, I saw Barney from Ed News talking about Marion Fellaini, who's, uh, who's only got a year left on his contract and how he was hoping to, to get a new deal this summer. And, um, Barney suggested that, that Mourinho strongly disagreed. <laughs> so, which, which, you know, <laughs> that's great. So that's encouraging. That's good. So, you know, there's one player that, he divides opinion a lot, but I think we'd all agree that he's not really a United player in style and consistency. And I think it, a lot of people talked about how one one of the things that Van Gaal had done was to clear out the dead wood. But it feels to me like there's as much dead wood now as there was before. It's just, in some cases, new dead wood or dead wood that he didn't get rid of. I think I think Phil Jones will do very well to survive this summer um, if anyone will sign him. With, with a complete inability to keep any of his any of his body parts falling off for more than a week at a time. Um, yeah, I mean that that brings up one of the ones I want to speak of as well. One of the issues. I, so we talked a little about players that uh, that Mourinho would, we'd like Mourinho to bring in. Just this evening as well, we've been recording the Guardian reporting that uh, Carrick has been offered a one-year extension in keeping with United's policy of only offering one-year deals to uh, any player over thirty. So I mean. I can't remember, on our end of the year uh, season review pod, were you against Carrick getting a one-year deal or not? Remind me. I, I didn't feel strongly about it. I My instinct was no. 
Well, fair enough. I mean, there's this, there's definitely some players that that can be stuck around. I mean, I guess there are some players at United that you would hope, like the likes of Herrera and Schneiderlin and a couple of others that you would hope would get a new lease of life for Mourinho. But what about the players who should definitely, definitely be kicked out? And let's say this with a, sort of a caveat of saying that they will be replaced by uh, a player, you know, at a slightly better level than they are, or at least a higher level of quality. Give me some names, Rich. Um, well, anybody who's listened to the the uh, Player Review podcast will know that I like Marcus Rocco to be ejected into the sea at the uh, first possible opportunity. Which is very harsh, considering that he has just announced that he's uh, he's got a second child on the way. Well, um, you cry me a river. Um, <laughs> I, I've I've had to watch him play football. <laughs> Not even for the a last congratulations. It's, it's, you shady <clears throat> git. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. He make you know he's he makes toast no better than he than he plays football. You know that was always a really weird one for me because from what Van Hal said, he he purely signed him on the fact that he'd seen him at the World Cup and he played left back and he did okay, and then initially brought him in and played him at centre back, which you know it was a bit weird. He you know it, it clearly wasn't a player he'd known much about before, and he just never looks completely. He never looks completely fit, and he never looks completely dedicated to what he's doing he just seems to sort of drift through games sometimes you know and he doesn't have any particularly strong assets he can't he can't pass he can't cross he can't mark i suppose he's a, a fairly brave player but that's no good if you're if you're brave in the wrong areas and win the ball somewhere else i so i, I well, the great thing about rocco is luke shaw is coming back and so that, that, that that's one thing we don't have to worry about that's almost a, a left back i'm not worried about whatsoever so that's that's rocco sort of Nicely potted out with his squad position filled by Shaw. I mean, Phil Jones, I'm pretty sure that you want him turfed out this summer. If Phil Jones stays, the only reason he's staying is because he's English. Um, and because we, you know, you, we have to have the English quotas in the team now and the homegrown players for the, um, for European competition. Um, I can't see a single logical reason for keeping on, on footballing grounds. Um, it's a real shame because there clearly was a, a lot of potential and talent there, but He's never fit, and his his decision making in games is so erratic. You know, he's a, he's a bit of a liability. He's had three years of chances now, really, and I, I know you know he gets injured getting out of the bath, doesn't he? He can't he can't stay fit, and it's similar for Schweinsteiger as well. You know, it doesn't matter what a player's ability is if they can't stay fit, they're of absolutely no use to you. And, and I look I look at somebody like Johnny Evans, who's who really ha- he really struggled with his fitness at United. And he moved to West Brom, and he's had he's he's actually been able to play a lot of games this season and, and consistently. And I just wonder if he's one of those players that that can't really deal with rotation and and two games a week. And he you know the one game a week schedule at some of the smaller clubs is is gives a perfect amount of recovery time and um and training of things for these those players to be in peak condition. So I just think he needs to leave United as much as United need him to leave, and. And I'm sure I'll anger lots of Northern Irish people, but if he could take Paddy McNair with him, that would be good. Well, no, it's difficult. I mean, Paddy's sort of been prodded out of uh, of the situation all season long, really, hasn't he? I mean, I think if United do keep him, it's got to be a loan deal because there's no way he's getting anywhere near the first-team squad. I mean, if David Blinden is going to be seeing less chances, which we're assuming he is, because Chris Smalling is essentially the only centre-back that I would say has got, or the only defender whose nailed position is essentially nailed on, if they're fully fit and rowing to go. still think there's a slight question mark of Luke Shaw purely because he's be coming back from this injury and we can't expect him to take the ground running immediately. Not that I don't think he's got a talent or anything, 
But yeah, I mean, if if Davy Blind, having played that many games last season, is going to struggle to get into the side, there's no way Paddy Van is going to get anywhere near it. So I can agree with you on that one. Uh, Fellaini, I'm guessing Fellaini's gone in your mind. Well, he's got to be, isn't he? He's got a year left on his contract. I can't I can't possibly see any justification for giving him a new one. Um, we've we've learned that lesson before, haven't we? With giving contracts to Nanny and Anderson and and then. Wayne Rooney, we we give them these long contracts and huge money, and then they just can't get them to go away. Yeah, um, we just, we just they just lose the incentive to leave when they're getting paid stupidly large money to not do very much. Well, exactly. I mean, that, that shocking. That, Anderson yeah. just wouldn't go. And you, you, do you really blame him? I mean, I don't blame him. He, he, you know, he's earning eighty grand a week for five years for doing very little. I mean, I know I don't for a minute think they didn't try, but why would you leave and earn a third of that somewhere else when you can sit tight and? You know, he's financially secure for life. So, I think it would be absolutely madness to give him a new contract, and I, I'm pretty sure that he'll he'll leave this summer. Well, let's wrap, start wrapping this up now, Rich, because this is at the end of a very, very long season. Let's see. What are you most looking forward to with United and the Mourinho next season? I'm looking forward to what, what I think will happen, which is that he will get more out of the players than Van Hal has this season. And I, I'm looking forward to, hopefully, fingers crossed, seeing players like Schneidlin and Darmian um, and Memphis and a few others actually playing more to their potential rather than, as opposed to the kind of semi-broken figures that they were by the end of the season. Um, so, you know, I think I think the squad is better than it was showing and I'm hoping that Mourinho can get more out of it than Van Gaal did. And I'd love to be able to say I was wrong about Darmian. And I was, I'd love to say I was wrong about, about Schweinsteiger as well. You know, I've been saying, you know, he's not, he's never fit. I, I don't really see what he brings for the money. Um, apart from, apart from lots and lots of lovely tweets, happy birthday tweets and good luck tweets and various he other. He loves a good birthday he tweet. He does love, he loves his, he loves his birthday tweets. Um, should we tweet for Marcus Rashford this week on scoring his international debut? I know he's such, he's such a nice bloke, isn't he? And that's pro- that's potentially the problem. We we've got a, we've got a squad of nice blokes. And um, I suppose another thing I'm looking forward to is Mourinho potentially bringing in a couple of bastards because what we need more of is bastards currently. Um, and we've finally got a manager who's an absolute bastard, and now we need a few players like that. And then I think if that happens, then we've got a very good chance of putting a title challenge up. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I, I'm, I'm not necessarily sure that the idea of uh, us becoming the most hated team in the land is uh, of that much importance to me personally, although I can understand why others feel that way. Others seem to be getting off on the fact that uh, everyone seems to be so frustrated with the fact that United have got Mourinho. Uh, and that's kind of nice to a certain extent. I guess it shows that people are slightly concerned about us again, which is a nice feeling. I didn't really get that under Van Gaal. You know, I still think that even though we were sort of up in the on the, yeah, in the top of the Premier League around November time after that Watford game, I still felt like it, everything was very tenuous at that stage. And I think with Mourinho, there seems a bit more certainty about United, which is great. You know, I'm very, very excited to see who he brings in this summer. Really interested to see where we could go. And there's more sort of certainty about United than there's been for some time. Obviously, that there's that sort of new manager bounce that you get because Mourinho was very good at his job and he's been so successful at it. It's very difficult to... To not be excited, to not get sort of swept up in everything. So that's great. But beyond that, I mean, yeah, hopefully this season we'll see a nice big title charge. Beyond that, who knows? It's very difficult to judge, really. But I think that's where we'll leave it tonight, Rich. 
So, guys, for the last time of the season, thank you very, very much for listening. Whether you've been with us from the uh, the first day of the season, that incredible Carl Walker and goal at Old Trafford to beat Spurs 1-0. Oh, giddy highs. Or just joining us recently, we very much appreciate you listening and sharing and interacting with us on Twitter. It's been a great year. We appreciate your support so much. It'd be really, really difficult to thank all of you, all the regulars, all of the guys that interact with us. So... I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to say thank you very much from the bottom of all four of us. That's me, that's Rich, that's Kevin, that's Paul. We've had a wonderful year and we can't wait to be back with you. We're going to have a couple of weeks rest at the very least and we'll be back with you for pre-season. In the meantime, have a wonderful summer. Lots of love from all four of us. Thank you again. Good night. Good night. She's waiting.